Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Bible Kitchen once again, where you're always served delectable food for your precious soul. My name is Jason, and thank you for tuning in. This is episode three of our subject, The Ages. And just to bring you up to speed, we started out in the book of Genesis chapter one, and we covered verse one and verse two. In verse 1, it states that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And it didn't say when, but he did. And that was many, many millions of years ago. And then in verse 2, it says, the earth was without form and void. Now, if you did not understand a little bit about the original language of this particular scripture, which is the Hebrew you would read the word without form and void, and you would think that it was void like in the English, meaning empty, but that is not the case. You see, to say without form and void in the Hebrew, you would say tuhu va buhu, which means an indistinguishable ruin. But we still have to correct something else because it would sound as if in verse 1, God created the heaven and the earth, and then in verse 2, he created it to be an indistinguishable ruin. Well, now, that doesn't make sense because God does not create chaos, all right? So the truth really hinges on the fourth word in this verse, which is was. That is incorrect. You see, the Hebrew word for was is heva. And it means to exist or become. So when you put it together, what happened was in the beginning, in, in verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then in verse 2, the earth became an indistinguishable ruin, which is the same as without form and void. Why? Well, you see, this was the first earth age, and Satan rebelled against God. His job, as it is written in Ezekiel chapter 28, was to cover, or you can say protect, the throne. But as it is written in the book of Isaiah chapter 14, Satan already established in his own heart that he will be God. And that's, that's his MO all along. He wants to be God. And so, in his quest for the godship or the godhead, he basically took away one-third of God's children away from him. Your documentation for that is the book of Revelation chapter 12, which is a parenthetical chapter, meaning it covers, it doesn't belong anywhere specifically. It, it was kind of like an insert. And it's a chapter that covers from the first earth age to the second earth age and on to the third. But in verse 4 of chapter 12 of the book of Revelation, Satan's tale, meaning his lies, drew one-third of the children, or as it is called there, they're called the stars, meaning, same thing, children, away from Almighty God. And this angered our father because God will not put up with someone trying to overthrow him, right? That's just outright mutiny and God won't have it. 
And as it is written in Exodus chapter 20, God plain and simple said, Thou shalt have no other God before me. In other words, God doesn't settle for number two. He will never be a number two. God is the almighty God. And besides him, there is none else. All right. And then we left Genesis and we went over to the book of Jeremiah chapter four, where we took a look at the actual destruction. In other words, so in Genesis, it just tells you that the earth, God destroyed it, the, that time, that age, not the earth, the age. And so in Jeremiah now, it tells you how he did it. He used an earthquake. He used a flood, not Noah's flood. I'm talking from the age that was before. And that time that was before, everything were, was, was destroyed, right? In Noah's flood, not everything got destroyed. And so for this final segment of our study, I want to take a look with you. I want to go through the book of Second Peter chapter 3, which is a chapter that is dedicated, you can say, to the three ages of time. All right. Now, before we begin, I would like to pray real quickly because you know what? We need God's guidance in all that we do for the best and optimum, most optimal results. So let's pray real quickly and we'll get into it. Our Father, most high God, who art in heaven, hallowed be your mighty matchless name, Father. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, my brothers and my sisters, we come to you, Father. Thank you so much for this opportunity. We're about to study your holy words, and we pray for the understanding. We come to you as children, needing your guidance, needing your wisdom, so we can learn and grow. Thank you so much. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Get your pens, get your notepads, whatever you take notes on, write these scriptures down and document them for yourself. And hey, you get a chance to prove me wrong with what I say. All right. Okay. Now, I will be reading from a King James version of the Bible. And if you've listened to the introduction or at least the first episode of this particular subject, I explained why, which is plain and simple. The, the King James Version is the only one that takes you as close to the original language as possible. In other words, any Bible is better than no Bible, but the King James Version is the one you can use, the only one that you can properly use to accurately trace the words back to the original language. All right. Okay. So we're going to start out in second Peter chapter three and Peter is addressing what will transpire in even the last days. But what he did was he spoke about the first earth age, the second earth age, which is the one we live in now. And then he carried on into the third. Are you ready? Okay. So 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3, and it reads thusly, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, which basically, which the time we're living in now, all right, 
There so there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. Now, this word scoffers, it's the same thing as what you would call mockers. In other words, people who make a mockery and they're so derisive uh, towards God or anything has to do with God, such as the very word of God. Okay? And you know what? You can't let it get to you. The fact of the matter is, we're so inundated with mockery, you know? People have a tendency to stray so far away from God and not even realizing the depth of their malfeasant behavior and attitude, all right? But anyway, as a serious Bible student, you know better, okay? Now, let's move on to verse 4. Let's roll. And saying, so this is Peter saying, this is what these mockers will say in the last days. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So when they're asking, where is the promise of his coming? They're talking about Jesus Christ. They're basically saying, hey, for the last 2,000 years, you know, we've been hearing that Jesus Christ will return and there will be a second advent and we're not seeing that happen. Well, happening. Well, maybe there is no God and perhaps and he will never come back again. Well, you know what? God is a God of order. And if he shows up before time, he would not be a God of order. God has certain sequences of events that will transpire chronologically that must come to pass before he can return. Okay. And they are coming to pass. And so they're saying now, since our fathers fell asleep, meaning this word asleep, it doesn't mean to take a rest. It means to be deceased. In other words, since their ancestors passed away, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Well, at least they have one thing going for them. They say creation and not evolution, which evolution is a lie. You know, uh, when you look at what they consider, you know, we're evolving into this and evolving. Into, don't don't follow that trend. OK, you are a believer in almighty God and God is the creator. You know, this is called basically uniformitarianism, meaning the natural forces that are in evidence now have always been the same. That That's what they're saying, basically. So. Uh, the processes that happen in the geological past is no different from what's happening now. There are people who accept this theory, but you see, that's only an assumption. That's not a fact. All right. Now, let's move on to verse 5 of Second Peter chapter 3. And it reads thusly, for this, they, that's the scoffers, they willingly 
are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Hmm, interesting here. Now, let's just get this straight off the bat. Now, you see, this word ignorant, it's not a bad word and it's not an offensive word. It just means not knowing, all right? They, they just, they don't know. They don't understand. The sad part is, Peter says, they are willingly ignorant of it. In other words, they don't want to be accountable for knowledge. They don't want to answer to anyone. They want to play the I don't know game. I wasn't aware game of this. But hey, there's no excuses for this. Now, right away, when most people read this verse, they would assume that it is referring to the flood of Noah. But it is not. You see, Noah's flood transpired in the second earth age. We're talking about before the, this age began, before Genesis. You see, because this word old here, when, when, when Peter says, the, 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 by the word of God, the heavens were of old. Now, heavens, plural here, we're talking about there's one heaven, there's one earth. But the heaven and the earth go through three different periods or three different dispensation of time. Okay? So the first one, he's saying the heavens were of old. All right? People are willingly ignorant of this. All right? Now, this word old is in the, now, this is the New Testament we're reading. So, you have to look it up in the Greek lexicon of your Bible dictionary, okay? I highly recommend the Strong's Concordance of the Bible. You'll never go wrong with it because, you see, you cannot use an English-speaking dictionary to define Hebrew words. It just won't fly, okay? So this word old, when you look it up in the Greek, it is number... 1537 and 3819 in the Strong's Concordance. And the Greek word for it is ektalahi. Okay? And it means in the sense long ago for a long while. Now, what I want to zero in on is the prime root of this word, which is ek. Okay? So that's one, five, three, seven. And what ek really means, it's, it's a primary uh, preposition denoting origin. Did you catch that? It's the point of which motion proceeds from, all right? Out of a place or time from the origin. So, this is talking about all the way back from the beginning, all right? So, and by the way, this is the only place that this word means what it does in the New Testament. This is the only place it mentions it, all right, where the, where the word is used in this sense. So, it's not talking about 6,000 years ago. You know, unfortunately, 
a lot of people from the religious community, and some of them will claim to be scholars and uh, prognosticators of God's word, and they claim to purport and teach it. And they will make a statement such as, well, the Bible says that this earth is 6,000 years ago. Well, no, it does not. There's no place in this word that tells you that the, the, the earth is 6,000 years old. All right? It, in fact, it, it's quite the antithesis of that. It's much longer, much, much longer, millions of years old. All right? Um, you see, that is why a paleontologist or a geologist, anyone that has a hand in science, will tell you that this earth is quite old. It's millions of years old. You know, that's how they are able to uh, count the time and the ages of the dinosaurs and so forth. You know, carbon dating uh, was invented in the 1940s by a man named George Willoughby. And it's quite accurate when they use it to measure. It's kind of the, the major tool that they used. And they're still using it right now to measure time and so forth. And it's pretty accurate. Now, for the sake of argument, you can say that man, as in male and female, being on this earth is roughly about 6,000 years or so, giving, given the fact that from Adam to Christ is roughly about 4,000 years, and from Christ up to our time right now, is roughly about 2,000 plus years or so. So give or take, say, 6,000 years. But you've got to understand, you've got to put perimeters on it now. That's only man or mankind being on the earth, including male and female, all right? No gender intended specifically. So that's only man being on the earth. But the earth itself, this globe upon which we reside, is much, much older than that, okay? So keep that in mind as we amble through this. I hope you're getting this so far. And wherever you are, I hope, I hope things are going well with you, okay? Now then, let's move on to verse 6 of 2 Peter chapter 3. So Peter continues to speak about the first earth age, and he says... Whereby the world, or you can say the aeon, the age that then was. Did you pick up on that? Uh, let, let me read that again for you. Whereby the world that then was. In other words, there was a time, a dispensation, an age that was before. All right, let's continue. Being overflowed with water, perished. Now, again, people might think that this is referring to the flood of Noah. But Noah's flood is from this time period, this second earth age. All right. And bear in mind that there was a family of eight that was bored that ark, as well as, well, the other races, and their other flesh that were spared, okay? I know that most people didn't realize that, 
But that is the case. It's obvious when you read the book of Genesis, especially chapter 7 up to about chapter 9. You, it's, it's obvious, okay? And when God was telling, it's in chapter 6 as well, when God was telling Noah what to bring in the ark and who to put in the ark and so on and so forth. But you see, not everyone died in, in the flood of Noah. And here, Peter is telling us point blank, the world that then was, the age, in other words, the first earth age, that then was being overflowed with water, perished. Now, this word perish, it means to destroy completely. Okay? Nothing was left alive. I mean, dinosaurs, mammoths, you name it. God utterly and completely destroyed everything. Birds, everything. That's what we read when we read the book of Jeremiah. And you can clearly see when he was creating, again, in Genesis chapter 1 in the beginning, why he was recreating basically everything. And then he told the people in, in verse 27 and 28, he says now, replenish the earth. And when you replenish something, it simply means that you resupply it again. In other words, bring it back to the stage it was before. You're getting this, right? I, I really hope you are. You know, hey, listen, if, if you have a question, do me the favor, do me the honor, call in, leave me the question. I'll get back to you. If you want to, you can find me on YouTube as well. Just type in The Bible Kitchen with Jason and you'll find me. I have several videos there where I teach on several different topics exegetically from God's Word where I would give you the critical explanation of what is saying. All right? You see, what's difficult for me to accept is that someone can be going to church for four, five years of their lives and they have never been through the entire Bible. Then pray tell, what were they taught? Because if it's not God's word, then it has to be a man's word. And you need to be very, very careful about that. If a man or woman is teaching you something, they should be able to document what they say from the scriptures and not expect you just to believe what they say. All right? So, now... There's, I just want to cover one more part, point about what transpired in Genesis because there we actually read, here Peter is telling you everything that was destroyed from that time period. And in Genesis, you're reading about that destruction where the earth became void and without form and void, which is tuhu vabuhu, as I have forestated, meaning an ink, a, a an indistinguishable ruin. God destroyed everything. Okay. Now, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 45, God was speaking through the prophet Isaiah. And in chapter 45, and round about verse 18, God, plain and simple, says this, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens. Uh, heavens, plural, has in the first earth age, 
the, this second earth age and the one that is to come, okay? It's only one heaven, one earth, but both the heaven and the earth go through three different dispensations, all right? Okay, so let me continue reading. God himself that formed the earth and made it. Wait now, wait, wait, wait. God himself that what? He formed the earth. Now, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, it says the earth was without form. Do, do you see the, the, the discrepancy there? Do you see the difference there? It's the exact antithesis of what's being said here. God is saying plain and simply he formed it. It was not without formed. I'll continue. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. Now, this word vain is the equivalent of the word void that you read about in the book of Genesis, which, which is, again, to be destroyed and indistinguishable ruin. It's tuhu. And here, God is saying, I didn't create it that way. In other words, now you can clearly see how it lines up. It became that way. When? When God destroyed it at that rebellion, when, when Satan rebelled against God and naturally in his wrath. Now, God had a choice. At the time Satan rebelled against him and took away one third of the children, God had a choice to either destroy the time that was, that first earth age, or destroy the children. Now, we serve a loving God who loves us, who cares about us, my brothers and my sisters. And he wants us to be saved. So in his wrath, he chose to destroy the time that was before. You understand? And then he simply took the souls and put them in the age of the flesh. That's why you have you and there's me and there's your family and my family and our friends and loved ones. You get the point. Okay. And you're here to make a choice. Now you're going to go back to that angelic state again. Now I know for some of you that might be a little deep, but believe me, it is not deep. If you seriously spend some time in your Bible, You'll realize what I'm saying. It has continuity and it can be so easily documented. All right. But I won't go any deeper just in case I might uh, throw someone off because they're, they've never heard this before. So I will keep it fairly light, but I will go to some depth because this word is so full of knowledge that can help you to open your understanding and you can grow. So I will always try to take it on an exegetical level for you, anytime, okay? Anyway, so you get the point of what's transpired here in, in, in the book of uh, uh, Isaiah, all right? The, it wasn't created that way. It became that way. All right, so there you can see how clearly God's word line up my brothers and sisters, it lines right up. It's just that sometimes people find it so confusing because unfortunately, they, they don't have a teacher or a preacher of God's word 
who truly goes through it with understanding and they have done the necessary reconnaissance of the scriptures and upon ascertaining the information, they're able to dispense it to you. All right. And it's very difficult for someone even to what I'm saying. It might sound so deep. It's not. All right. Like I said, if you have a question, a Bible verse giving you a little bit of a problem and you just want to find out what it's talking about, I'll do my very best to help you. My email address is thebiblekitchen at gmail.com. You can find me. You can reach me there, too. All right. Let's roll out. We're still here. Let's go back to the book of Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, and we reach verse 7. Are you ready? Come on, Bible scholars. Let's roll. But the heavens and the earth, which are now. Did you get that? In other words, this second earth age that we reside in currently, right? So clearly there was an age before and he's telling you there was a time it was of old and God had to destroy it. Everything within that time from that time period perished. And so here in verse seven, he's saying, but the heaven and the earth, which are now, in other words, this second earth age by, I'll continue to read, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. All right. Now, this verse might frighten someone, but notice it has a, a distinction. Okay. It, it's specific. Ungodly men, not you and I who are trying to do our best. Though we fail and we fall short, all we have to do is simply repent and turn back to our Father. Now, let's straighten this out real good. This word perdition, it means to perish as well. Okay? Now, interestingly enough, Satan, Lucifer, the devil the dragon, the serpent, one in the same, the Antichrist, one in the same. He's also called the son of perdition. Interesting. And the word perdition means to destroy. Your documentation for that, I don't want you to believe me. I don't expect you to believe me and don't ever believe a man, whether it's this man or any man or woman you listen to, without them being able to document what they say from God's word. Because in order to teach God's word and read and preach God's word, one needs to read from the word. And the basic premise, the fundamental premise upon which a pastor, preacher, teacher stands is Bible study. Not some title. All right? Okay. Now, this word, like I said, uh, perdition, that's one of Satan's names. And it, their documentation for that is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. And I tell you what, uh, in the last days here, a lot of people Satan is going to drag down with him. Because he's coming back here, and guess what? 
He shows up first before Jesus Christ, and he will be claiming to be Jesus. He will be in the temple of God, claiming to be God. And most people are going to fall for it. Again, your documentation, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4. All right? I tell you what, I, I, I don't even want you to believe me on that. I, I want to read it for you. I think it's only fair that if a man makes a statement of any kind, that he's able to substantiate it with the word of God. I mean, after all, if that's what he is uh, propagating, if that's what he's teaching, then he should make that statement clear. So let's pick up two verses from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'll begin with verse 3. Are you ready? This is speaking of Satan. Here we go. Paul is the author of this book, and he says in verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means. And I say to you, my fellow listener and scholar, don't ever let any man deceive you or woman. You study for yourself to show yourself approved unto God and to be able to help your family and help your friends and your loved ones. Man will snowball you with their traditional mumbo jumbo. And you have to be really careful. All right. So Paul says, let no man deceive you by any means for that day. And he's talking about the day that Jesus returns. So he says, for that day shall not come except, this is the condition. In other words, these are the things that are supposed to transpire before Jesus Christ can return. Except there come a falling away first. That's the first thing that's supposed to happen. This term falling away simply means that there will be people who claim to be Christians who will denounce their Christianity. They will denounce their faith. I wonder why. Well, guess what? Satan will be on the scene and he will be claiming to be God and they don't know any better than to run to him and worship him. That, isn't that sad? I mean, after all, Jesus Christ warned about this. Your documentation for that would be Matthew chapter 24, verse 23 and verse 26. Jesus plain and simple said, if you hear I'm out there in the desert somewhere, if you hear I'm in this place in the secret chamber, believe it not. Why shouldn't you believe it? Because it's not the real Jesus. It's the fake. We have a doppelganger here coming back pretending to be Jesus. All right. So Paul says here, there will come a falling away first. In other words, people are going to denounce their faith and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. There is your documentation of what I have forestated. Now, let me continue one more verse. Speaking of the same man, the son of perdition, Satan, Lucifer, one in the same, who opposeth and exalteth himself. Above all that is called God. You get it? Because he wants to be God and he thinks he's that good. Be careful. All right. Let me continue. Or that is worshipped so that he, meaning Satan, the son of perdition, the man of sin, one in the same. Those are all pseudonyms, by the way. 
In other words, aliases. He has many names that he goes by. Okay. So that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, that's Jerusalem, showing himself that he is God. Did you catch that? In other words, he's going to show up here claiming to be God. And you know what? Sadly, there are people who have been going to church for decades and they don't know this. They have no clue these things are written in God's word. Now, I'm not knocking churches. All right. There are good churches. But guess what? Sadly enough, they are far and few in between. So choose wisely where you go. Now, why do I say that? You see, in the book of the Apocalypse, that is to say the book of Revelation, the first three chapters or so, God was addressing seven churches. And he was kind of giving them a grading on how they're doing. And guess what? Out of all the seven churches, only two, I said two out of seven, he approved of. That's sad. The rest, all the other five, they failed miserably. Now, that's two out of seven. That's 28%. So that means a whopping 72% of the churches back then were off the rails. They weren't in line with God's word. Now, there's nothing new under the sun. And the churches back then were located in kind of like a circle. If you were to get a biblical map and look at them, which is symbolic of the world, pretty much the churches around the world. Now, if 72% of the churches back then weren't in line with God's word, if you fast forward it up to today, guess what? I reckon that it's even worse than that. It's, it's in terrible shape. You know, you have these preachers who want to claim that they, you know, they're sent by God and they're speaking on behalf of God. And, you know, they go on with this nonsense. Bring all your money and God loves a cheerful giver. You know, don't, don't be fooled. Do not be fooled. Like I said, they're good churches. But like, like I told you in, in Revelation, there are only two out of seven that made it. Guess what? It's the same thing these days. There's only so few of them that actually stick to God's word and strain off the fluff that's been taught over and over. And the sad thing is it's very hard to descramble the nonsense from people's minds because they're so in, enamored by it and so mesmerized by a man and how a man speaks and how a woman speaks and not realizing that the person doing the speaking should be not admired, but God's word should be upheld above what they say. God's word should take precedence over what they say. All right. Anyway, just ambling through, I hope you're getting this. So we're going to head back now to Second uh, Peter chapter 3 and just polish it off real nicely. I, again, I hope you're getting this and you can, you can drop me a line, leave me a message in the message box and I'll be sure to, to, to get back to you. The, the Anchor app, well, my address would be uh, anchor.fm slash Jason dash G5.
That's anchor.fm slash Jason dash G5. Okay. So we covered up to verse uh, 7 here. Let's move on to verse 8. And it reads thus. 2 Peter 3 verse 8. But beloved... Be not ignorant of this one thing. Again, ignorant is not a bad word. Again, it just means you don't have understanding of it. And he's saying, don't be without understanding of this. All right? Let's see. Let's continue. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. And a thousand years is as one day. In other words, it takes 1,000 of our years to make one day with God. Now, isn't that something? Now, when you scale back to the book of Genesis during the time of creation where God took six days to create the, 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 the all the things that he created there, well, now, that would most likely be one of God's days, which is the equivalent of 1,000 years for us. And remember now, God told Adam and Eve, in the day you partake of that particular tree that I warned you not to touch, not to, not to, he didn't say not to touch, Eve said that, but I warned you not to partake of, you will surely die. Now, the oldest man ever recorded in the Bible is a man named Methuselah from Genesis chapter 5, and he lived... 969 years, I believe. That's a lot. That's almost a thousand years. That's, but it's not quite one day with God. You get it? It was almost a thousand, but God made, God gave his word. And what God says is what God means. And God says, Hey, the day you partake of this, you're going to die. And from that time onward, now, Adam and Eve, they did not die right away, but they slowly were dying afterwards. So you can clearly see that one of God's day is the equivalent of a thousand years for us, right? Really that simple. Okay, let's move on. We're going to cover a couple more verses and then we'll just close this down real nicely. Verse 9, and the Lord... The Lord is not slack, meaning he's not forgetful. So the Lord is not forgetful or slack concerning his promise. My brothers and sisters, if Almighty God promised you something, you can count on the fact that he will deliver. He will show up. All right. He knows when to show up, how to show up, what to show up with. He has a million ways to get it one thing done. Okay, so Peter is making sure you know this. He says, the Lord is not slack, meaning forgetful concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but is long suffering. That means he is very patient, isn't he? And I give God thanks for his patience because there's so much we have to learn and grow and try to figure out as we go through life. Amen. All right, so he's very patient to us word, not willing that any should perish, 
but that all should come to repentance. You know, the sad thing is, not all will come to repentance, but it is God's wish that they would. That's what salvation is about, isn't it? It's the fact that God already promised from the book of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, which is the, the very first place in the Bible that you find the first prophecy concerning our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God says, look here, I will put, he was speaking to Satan and he said, I'm going to put enmity, which is just a word that means hostility between you, Satan, and the woman and between your seed, meaning children. Yes, Satan had children. Sadly enough, these things are not taught in churches. So anyway, God said, I'm going to put enmity, which is hostility between your seed, meaning children. In the Hebrew, the word is zerah. And if you want it in the Greek, the word is sperma, you know, like a male sperm, seed, children. I will put enmity between your seed and her seed, meaning the woman. And, and it, meaning he, because we're referring to Christ here, shall bruise thy head and thou shall bruise his heel. So Christ eventually will have been nailed to his heel at the cross. Right? He would be crucified, in other words, but eventually Satan's head would be crushed, so to speak. He would be wiped out in the lake of fire. So salvation was made for us as God had promised, and he's not slack concerning his promise. What he says, he will do. Amen. Bless his holy name. Thank you, Father. And so salvation is available, but there are people who are so stiff-necked. In other words, they're stubborn. They're reluctant to just turn to our Father. And His arms are open wide. All we have to do is turn to Him and try our best, and He's able to save. He's able to forgive. So, hopefully, people will turn around. All right? But God won't have any foolishness. All right. Now then, Verse 10, and let's close this down. Last verse, and it reads thus. Actually, I'll probably go another verse. We'll see. So 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, and it reads thus. But the day of the Lord. Now, what day are we talking about here? This, this is when Jesus returns for that 1,000-year period, right? That's the day of the Lord. Remember, one day with God is the equivalent of a 1,000 years with man, and a 1,000 years is the equivalent of one day. And when Jesus returns, he will be teaching and preaching and straightening up. It would be kind of like boot camp for those who didn't repent. <laughs> uh, I jest, but seriously. All right, but it will be for a duration of 1,000 years. All right, so Peter said, But the day of the Lord shall will come as a thief in the night. Do you know why it's, uh, it will show up like a thief in the night? Because nobody will expect it. You see, the problem is they don't realize that Satan will show up first pretending to be Jesus, coming to save everybody. So they're having a good time, and guess what? They're having a good time with the fake. 
And that's why people in ignorance will renounce their faith, their Christianity, serving the wrong Jesus, the fake one. Why? They weren't taught any better, so they don't know any better. All right? And they've been going to church, and they trust that pastor to tell them the truth, and that pastor is not doing what a pastor is supposed to do, which is to teach God's word. Open the Bible and go verse by verse. You can never go wrong with it. All right, so the day of the Lord, Jesus is going to show up like a thief in the night. There will be some surprises in the which the heavens shall pass away. In other words, the heavens plural here because there was an age before this one. So that passed, this one passed as well, will pass. And then we can look forward to the third one that's to come. So the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. This word elements, if you look it up in the Greek dictionary, in, the, in that lexicon, the word is stachion. And it means the rudiments, meaning the evil rudiments shall be melted with a fervent heat. The earth, I'll continue to read, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. All right? Not now this earth itself will be here forever. Okay? But the evil rudiments within it shall be burnt out of it. It will be purified once again. Okay. And I'll just read one more verse now and we'll close it down here. All right. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? Think about that. What are you ought to be like? Make sure your life is in order. Make sure you're taking care of business, doing the best you can with each day that you get. No, you won't be perfect. No one is. Only God is perfect. But God knows and sees and understands your effort when you try to do something good. All right. But like Brother Paul says, every time he's try he tries to do good, evil is present. But you don't let that deter you. You keep doing what's right. Okay. So. I hope you enjoyed that. I sure did. I want to say a special thank you uh, for your time. I appreciate you tuning in. And God bless you and your loved ones. Any questions, you know where to find me. Again, my anchor would be uh, anchor.fm slash Jason dash G5. And my email address is the Bible Kitchen at gmail.com. And you can also find me on YouTube. Just type in The Bible Kitchen with Jason. And again, I have several videos there. You can reach me through YouTube as well. All right, so that's several different outlets. Um, I'm also on Stitcher. I'm on Spotify. Uh, so, hey... You have lots of choice there. Don't forget to share, like, subscribe, anything. I'll, you, you get to choose, all right? I'll leave that up to you. In the meantime, take good care of yourself 
And of course, wherever you are, God bless you and your loved ones. Until next time, bye-bye for now.